Weekly Dynasty Podcast. We are here with your hosts, Dave Reed, Ryan Wilkinson, and Joey Gallo. Welcome in to the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Reed, joined by my co-host, Joey Gallo, and unfortunately... No Ryan Wilkinson this week. Uh, this is not our day job. I don't know if you can tell by the produ- uh, production that we have, but uh, sometimes our normal uh, jobs do get in the way, but he'll be back on next week's pod. But Joe, just you and me today. Yeah, man. Uh, I know that you hear the intro music. It sounds very professional. You hear the analysis. It sounds very professional. <laughs> but it's just it's just a hobby. Just a hobby, but... Uh... And we're One ready. of these days, when we get to episode uh, maybe fifty, we'll uh, we'll call it a, 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 a real jobs. But right now, we're only on episode fifteen, yeah. um, and we got a fun one. Week ten is in the books. The playoff picture and your fantasy and dynasty leagues are starting to take shape. And for many leagues, the trade deadline is actually approaching. So you have to make a decision: Are you going to go for it this year, or are you going to start building towards the future? With that in mind, we have a new segment that will be debuting later in the pod called the NSFW Trade Machine. So I'll let Joe take it away when we get there. But before we dive into that, i uh, going to hit up the medical ward and uh, all the injuries that occurred in Week 10. So there are a couple big ones. Uh, the most not- noticeable one that we had was Deshaun Watson is now out for the year with a shoulder injury. I believe it was a fracture, and he's going to have season-ending surgery. He also had a high ankle sprain uh, just to you know make matters worse. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he was on bye, but he should actually be coming back from a sprained UCL on, from his thumb. He is expected to play this week. Derek Carr left the game with uh, a concussion, which made uh, Jameis Winston come into play. The Saints are actually on a bye this week, so we'll see how they uh, how the concussion protocol uh, develops for Derek Carr. Taylor Heineke left with a hamstring injury, which let uh, Desmond Ritter come in. They were also on a bye, so we'll monitor that. Alexander Madison had a concussion. Um, also, he's just not good at football, which is another injury, but uh, Ty Chandler uh, came in uh, and started to look pretty good. Damian Pierce missed the second straight game. Uh, his Hasn't had an update on this week on his injury, so it's still a bit unknown if he'll play in week 11, but Singletary did step up in his absence. Sticking with the Texans, Nico Collins missed another game this in week 10, um, and we haven't really heard much about his status either, so he's still at risk for week 11. T. Higgins has already been ruled out for Thursday night football tomorrow with a hamstring injury. Jamar Chase was able to get in play in week 10. He actually ended up having one large touchdown in uh, classic Jamar Chase fashion. Uh, And he's trending pretty positively for Thursday night football. Looks like he is improving. Michael Thomas had a fairly significant knee injury. Uh, Don't know too much about it yet, but again, they are on the buy, so we'll monitor that. Keenan Allen did leave the, uh, the shootout game uh, against the Lions, but he was able to come back. He, it was his shoulder, but he dominated when he came back. He's day-to-day, but overall not too worried. But Gerald Everett, who did nothing in that game, uh, <laughs> ended up leaving it with a back injury also day-to-day. And also, someone who wasn't actually hurt, uh, but if you were watching it, every single catch he made, it looked like he was going to die, was TJ Hawkinson. Um, I don't know if you, Joe, saw the Twitter threads on, like, uh, gifts of him catching the ball, just getting beat up. It was literally the funniest thing. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, I didn't get my my second son was baptized on Sunday. So we had his we had the the reception lunch uh, 
from two to five. So I was watching, <laughs> watching the early slate of games on the cell phone while kind of hosting this party at the restaurant. So I didn't get to see too, too much on the social media. Uh, but it did. from what I saw, he absolutely uh, filled up the statue. I think he had, what, like 15 targets? Or oh, something yeah. Like that. yeah. But every single catch, he got annihilated. Like he was on <laughs> all fours crawling. It looked like he was going to come out of the game 10 times. There was one catch. They were looking to see if he would actually land in bounds because he had one. It looked like one foot uh, landed, and then he got taken out from underneath and went flying. You know, looked like he went out of bounds, and again he like rolled out of that. Like it was, I've never seen any player get beat up so hard in a game, but he just kept coming out. But uh, with that being said, other players who are also looking like they're coming back, we got Devon Achan. His practice window opened up. Justin Jefferson's window was opened up last week. It looks like he might play this week. We'll see. It hasn't been confirmed yet. And Justin Fields has actually been confirmed that he's starting this week with uh, coming back from that thumb injury. So which of these uh, injuries or, or return from injuries, Joe, are standing out to you? Yeah, so some some thoughts that I have. The Stafford injury is – it's good that he's coming back. It is mildly concerning that um, – He's had this injury in the past and hasn't played well with it. Yep. Uh, so I don't know exactly what to expect. Um, have Cup and Nakua shares. I mean, they did sign Carson Wentz, who is better than Brett Rippon. So if in the off chance, you know, Stafford can't give it a go or re-injures or sustains another injury, at least there's someone functional throwing the ball to those guys. Uh, Taylor Heineke, disappointing, to be totally honest. I had high, higher hopes for him for the passing offense with him coming in, and he was disappointing for two weeks. Uh, again, I wasn't watching those early games except for on my cell phone, and when I saw that Desmond Ritter was in a game, I didn't know if Heineke had been benched or if he was hurt, but the fact that he could have been benched based on how he was playing kind of indicates how he's been playing. Yeah. Um, T. Higgins... Uh, I kind of went to bat for him earlier in the season, but I've been uh, – I have to – I don't always eat my words, but I'm going to be eating my words this time because uh, I did go to bat for him as not being as injury prone as Mike Williams, That only for him to miss. This is now his third injury that he's missed time with this year. So I called it. I'm just saying he's Mike Williams. I think when he's out there, he's a, <laughs> he's a better receiver than Mike Williams, but uh, – this year, he has looked a lot like Mike Williams with his propensity to, to miss time. So that's, <laughs> that's unfortunate. Yeah. And quite frankly, it almost seals the fact that he's not going to be back with Cincinnati because they ha- they would have to bend their salary cap backwards to sign him. And they've already got enough at the wide receiver position, you would think, in guys like Chase and Tyler Boyd, although Tyler Boyd literally cost him the game dropping a pass right in his hands. Yeah, uh, they could probably get somebody much cheaper to fill in. Um, Gerald Everett, I know we have him on the list, but I just, I think there might be a clause in Gerald Everett's contract, um, that says that he's not allowed to catch more than three passes in a game. I like, I, I don't looking at his, I was looking at his game log earlier because like every game, especially with the injuries they have at, at their receiving core, you're like, Oh, you know, Gerald Everett, like he's probably going to be a decent play. And he starts the game off with one or two like really strong receptions and then he just never gets the ball again. Donald Parham is involved and you know, I, there's a that there's another guy uh yeah, whatever oh, real quick. I don't think I've ever seen a player ranked in the top 15 more frequently who just gooses. Like 
Oh, yeah. like he you always think, oh, this is he's on a high powered offense, he's starting tight end, they're it's in the brutal. red zone, and like it just never yeah. and we still keep buying it every week. I'm like, no, like I have to stream a tight end, it's gotta be like, Everett. He's got like a great opportunity. Going through <laughs> his games this season, he has two, three the first two weeks. I did it again six, this week. I started him in one league, six, and I was like Goose. six six week three, and then two, three, three, two, zero. So uh, it's just and he gets targets. You know, like, but it's just, that's a frustrating situation. And quite frankly, he's, he's on my, never yeah, I'm, I'm done with him. I can't do it. I've been burned. I, I've still, I can't tell you how many times I've started him in like yeah. the past three years. And I've I'm not starting him every single one. I'm not putting him in any parlays. I'm done. Mm. And, and honestly, I'm not putting Donald Parham in anything either. I'm just yeah, out yeah. on their whole tight end situation because the, the like tight end, it's hard enough to figure out when there's only one guy that you need to get targets to. You can't be starting a tight end from an offense where it's a coin flip when you get a tight end target, if it's going to be your guy. So it, I think we keep thinking it because we saw Antonio Gates dominate for the Chargers for so long. Yeah. And it's just like not the same offense, none of the same players. That was like decades ago at this point. And you got Eckler and Keen Allen soaking up targets there. So this is more time than I thought I'd ever spend on Gerald Everett. So we should probably move on. <laughs> and I guess the last thing, uh, Devon A. Chance. So it's interesting, right? Like when he had his, uh, what's the word you want? I don't want to call it resurgence, but when he hit the scene and, mm-hmm. you know, like came on strong earlier in the season, it came kind of at the, at the, the expense of Raheem Mostert. So interested to see, I mean, Mostert's like, you know, a little banged up, doesn't seem to be anything too, too serious. I'll be interested to see. I mean, I'm personally like, I think this week Mostert could, if he plays, could have a little bit of value just because I don't know if they're going to take HN coming right off injury and throw him out there for a ton of work. And just in general, um, I don't think that Mostert is going to get nerfed as much the rest of the way here as he did earlier in the season when, uh, when HN kind of first went nuts for those two or three games before the injury. So I think Mostert could be like a little bit of a, a buy low like right now or if a chain goes out there this week has a has like an explosive run 70 yard touchdown on three or four carries you know i i don't know that they're going to be running him too too much inside the five and the ten and that's kind of where most makes a lot of his living yeah. so I don't fully. I mean, I don't think most of it won't be on Val, but I do think he's older. He and honest, like he is banged up. He doesn't look as elite if when I've watched the games over the past few weeks as like you might expect. He's gotten touchdowns, which has helped it. But if you watch it, he gets stuffed a lot. Um, so I think they'd welcome HN back. Uh, obviously, they're going to be careful with him. So I like I don't. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the extent of the injury and like uh, easing him back in. But I think they want him back because he was doing stuff that Mostert could not. You did see them using the red zone. Um, so I don't like Mostert has been a locked and loaded RB1 for most of the season. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, maybe this week, to your point, like they it, it won't flip on week one. But I think back half, uh, both are going to be great. But I don't think you're going to get Mostert to be a consistent RB1, I think, going forward. I would agree. I, but I think yeah. I think you're still – you could still confidently start him the rest yeah, of the week. I would start that. There's no way I'm yeah. not, like, getting rid of these guys. They're both – I yeah. mean, that offense is just so point. And, and honestly, I think they potentially help each other uh, because, yeah. A, you get the rest, but it's a different style of running, so the defenses are off balance a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, uh, a couple other ones. Uh, I just want to keep calling out. So the Derek Carr, I I hope like I don't want anyone hurt, but I hope some re- for some reason Jameis gets to keep playing because I am a recently new Olave owner, um, and literally this the difference between before and after Carr getting hurt and not uh, and playing was in- insane. I think. Derek Carr got hurt on the first catch that Alave caught. So Alave had no points the whole game, makes his catch, Carr goes down, and then Alave blows up for a month, his best game of the year because Jameis just hyper-targets him. He's making great catches. He would have had a bigger game. There's like a, uh, I think, a legal shift or, uh, or something. Called back, yeah. Called back. It like, had nothing to do with the play at all. Um, so I you, I don't know what is going on with Carr and Alave, and Jameis just comes in out of nowhere and is like feeding it like – Make that work, Carr, or like get out of the way because feed a lot of it. So that one's big. Um, Damian Pierce, I am. I'm always getting worried about Damian Pierce just losing his career at this point too. Those because like he doesn't have draft capital. He's looked bad, and now Singletary's stepping up. So I I think that he'll get another crack at it, but it's it's getting hairy there. Yeah, I think Pierce benefits from the fact that the team is better. Um, you know, when they were, when they had less promise on offense, there was a little bit of concern from, from, from what I've heard on, on the ballers and, you know, anecdotally in the articles and stuff, like he's pretty, you know, well liked and respected in the locker room amongst the coaching staff. So if he's, if he's healthy, it's less likely that he'll just get completely, uh, superseded on the depth chart. But at the same time, you're right. He wasn't looking good before he got hurt. He had a lot of 10 zone carries that he wasn't converting to touchdowns. So part of that's because their offensive line stinks, but yep. I, I'm certainly not looking to acquire him at this point. The draft no. capital is concerned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and Derek Carr, my only thought there is just beyond Chris Olave, who I also have shares of, and I completely agree with everything that you said. The Saints just look like a better team while Jameis was at quarterback, right? Okay. Like, I, I don't know what fun. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm. It, I, I know who we're suffers. Not doing, we're not doing the awards this week, but if we yeah. were doing the awards this week, Derek Carr would be getting my "You're Not That Guy" award because it's shit list. He stinks. He's yeah. not. He like he has a, a good offensive line, a decent offensive line. He's got skilled guys all over the field, and the Saints' offense is just like completely hapless. And then he goes out. And Jameis Winston comes in there and throws nine interceptions and still manages to to put up a couple of touchdowns and get him back in the game. So yeah, I you know I God, to me that Jameis. is like a clear indication that you know he shouldn't be starting and it's actually a Derek Carr problem because Jameis went out there and they just immediately started scoring points. The uh, Jameis is one of my favorite players. Obviously, fantasy like everyone understands, he does not care. He will throw a million pick sixes, which is great for fantasy because then he has to throw more touchdowns. But also, just like his personality could not match his gameplay more, and I love that. It's just like the most lovable, goofy dude. Like he doesn't care. He's just out there trying to win it. He has like plenty of the physical traits you want. Oh man, he's the best. Yeah, he's really not bad. But he's just his judgment. I mean, I don't want him to coach my NFL team. (laughs) I mean, a a quarterback for my NFL team. But uh, yeah, but it's just so much fun. Um, But yeah, moving on uh, to some other items. uh, Talking about an actual quarterback I wish was on my team is CJ Stroud. Just like we, I feel like every week we keep talking about him, but he just keeps him amazing. Like he had another game-winning drive this time against. 
a team that many people thought were a Super Bowl contender after uh, two weeks ago, the Bengals. Uh, and he's elevating every player around him. Right? He didn't have Nico Collins, who was like blowing up the front half of the year. He, Noah Brown, who was, I think, on the Cowboys is like the wide receiver three or four, like even last year, I think it was. He's going bonkers. I think this is what is like second or third game with like 130 yards or something. It's like going crazy. Uh, he, he had a, and, and then it allowed finally for Singletary to get off because they're just air raiding the offense. Like you, you don't know how to stop this guy. So I'm, I'm like running out of words. Like he is a stud. Like he's already like, I think he's, he's starting to get MVP votes. Like people are literally starting to say, can a rookie win the MVP? It's crazy. Yeah. Because quite frankly, I mean, like you said, he's like, it's, He's having a profound effect on the entire team. It's not a great roster. They have first-year head coach. They don't have a ton of – I mean, they have, like you said, Noah Brown and Tank Dell, rookie, and, you know, Devin Singletary, uh, you know, veteran, change of pace back. and Cast away from the Bills. Yeah, yeah the, de- the defense isn't great. Um, but, you know, like it's easy to play hard. And, you know, I think that – effort is like half of the handicap when it comes to NFL guys and like how much effort these guys are going to put forth. And they like, they, they're all, they're all trying, like they're all putting forth a really, really strong effort. They, they believe they can win because they have a good quarterback. So pretty cool. Yeah. It's, a, it's awesome to say, you know, who's not awesome to see Mac Jones or sack Jones. Um, hopefully it's the last we've seen of him. Uh, I just want to say that for the sack Jones nickname, but they're on the bye. I, th- I believe in. I hope he gets punted because uh, he's not as good as Joshua Dobbs, so I think we need to start talking about as a legit weekly fantasy starting option. He won again, uh, and and honestly, he's, he's going to get JJ back at some point. Uh, he, he is now one of the reasons why I think Justin Jefferson is also willing to come back. Obviously, the Vikings I don't think of a loss of game since JJ went out, um, but now. They're making work. He also, if you're a Hawkinson owner, you love Dobbs. Like he apparently loves a hyper t- target the tight end. They were doing it when he was on the cards with Zach Ertz. Now he's doing it with uh, Hawkinson, despite the beatdown Hawkinson got. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Joshua Dobbs, who I one of our uh, league mates acquired, I laughed at, and man, he has become a great value. I think. Yeah, that's what I was just doing. As you were going through that, I was quickly looking at the league to see exactly what the trade was for Joshua Dobbs. It's like 2026 or something. So basically free. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was a lot. Honestly, Scott got a ton of ridicule for making that move. And I remember kind of saying, hey, you know, like it's nobody really knows what the fuck's going to happen with these trades. Yeah. And, it just, and that was that turned out to be one of the more savvy moves in the entire league this year, to be totally honest, like whether or not Dobbs is the starting quarterback for Minnesota next year, I mean, who the hell knows, right? Like right now they're about to be a playoff team and he's not going anywhere. So, uh, you know, we'll be surprised. I'll be surprised if they don't make the playoffs at this rate. And if he's not the quarterback for Minnesota, he's, I think he's earned the right to be a quarterback somewhere. So he's going to get paid. Yeah. No, that, yeah. That was uh, definitely real sneaky uh, pickup there. And then one that, like, yeah, that, and that that's the cool thing about Dynasty, too, is, like, you you have, like, this knee-jerk reaction initially when trades happen, and you're often wrong because, uh, like, so much changes uh, and so the values can completely shift. So that one turned out to be quite the, quite the win. But talk about his old team that he came from. Uh, 
Kyler Murray came back, and I know you've been patiently waiting for this. So, Joe, why don't you uh, give me your input of what you saw out of Kyler? Yeah, so I actually got to watch because he was in the late game, and honestly, I thought he looked pretty good. I was happy. He was running around doing things. He uh, led them on the the the, the two minute drill last drive to kick the game winning field goal. Part of it was uh, scrambling. Not to mention, like. He definitely looked a little bit rusty, right? Like, and he's still definitely trying to get his timing down. Some of these new guys, but at the same time, my man Trey McBride looking he looks great. He's he was like the number one receiver in that game. I mean, it's not going to be the number one receiver every game, but I I, I really love what I see, and I, I was excited about Trey McBride because he was putting up good numbers before uh, Kyler even got back. So it's kind of like maybe, maybe you know, and uh, yeah, he had a really big catch on that last drive down the stretch. That was pretty awesome, and yeah, like what I see from the cards, like what I see from Kyler. They they're a, they're a frisky team, and they're definitely better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, Jonathan Gannon is a dweeb, but seems, <laughs> seems like maybe he's a decent NFL head coach. So uh, yeah, they're they're a good team. They're all they're not. They're not the worst team in the league. They're they're they they are definitely especially not. now with Kyler back, they might win two or three more games, which is great for the Giants because uh, that yeah. win alone moved the Giants up. But uh, we're not going to talk about the Giants because uh, they stink. Yeah. Uh, but we'll talk about a couple other games. One that I want to call it uh, the Forty Niners. They look fixed uh, coming out of bye. Uh, Purdy uh, was very efficient. He threw for nearly 300 and three touchdowns. Kittle has his classic blow-up games that you, it's very hard to predict, but when he has them, they, they count. Um, CMC had a great day. He had actually about 17-plus points, but he saw his touchdown streak unfortunately come to an end. Uh, despite them trying, I think they were he was out of the game. They got on the goal line. They're like the force-feeding to CMC. Uh, one thing I thought was crazy because I was playing against CMC in a, a couple leagues and I was watching him. He scored like 17 points. And you know how when you're watching your matchups, you're trying to see is this player going above or below the projections when they're your opponent. So you see the green and red. He scored 70 points and he was below his projection. That is insane that he's being projected for like 18 plus. So doesn't score a touchdown, score 17. And that's a disappointment for CMC. What a, what a legend. Yeah. No, but, I mean, and I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll, he'll be right back on the, the touchdown trail. He'll probably get four. He'll probably make up for it. Uh, and on the other side, Trevor Lawrence had a brutal day. Uh, I'm a Lawrence believer. I still love him. Things great town, and I don't think the 49ers coming out of bye with a newly acquired Chase Young is a good barometer for like how good of a, a player you can be. He was getting annihilated the whole day, but again. It's not looking great, and a part of it that I'm is like I, we touched upon a few weeks ago. The trend of Ridley uh, is now like being an afterthought on offense is happening far too frequently to ignore. Now Kirk is still far and away the number one target. Engram's still easily the number two. Um, so I think we've really got to start adjusting your expectations. I know we talked about this, the Ridley contract and everything, but it hasn't changed. Um, so I'd, I'd be. Uh, I'd be concerned myself. I'm a Ridley owner, which I am in redraft, but dynasty more so. Yeah. 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 I I mean, yeah. Yeah. If I, if I, if I take the, like the, the preseason banter that we had about Trevor Lawrence and put it to the side and just kind of like objectively, it feels like he's taken maybe like a half, a half a step backwards this year. Like he was, he was better the second half of last season than he's been most of this season. And that's with 
more options, like more weapons in the passing game this year. That's with like more familiarity against an NFL defense. And he's got the same coach and the same coordinator and the same offense, you know, like it, it's just that, that whole part of it. Granted, some of it is the touchdown variance and the touchdown luck, right? Like yeah. they're, they're not, a, they're a six and three team. Yeah. They're so, a great team. Right. So like, I think I, I, as much as I like, as much as I like, uh, I, I'm doing like a half a victory lap. <laughs> I, I do. I do kind of feel like he's a little bit of a buy low right now, especially yes. in dynasty because the team's playing well ish and they're winning. And Travis Etienne has what, like eight touchdowns on nine touchdowns on the season in 11 yeah. week, 10 weeks. So if that variance flips back, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't think he's as bad as he's playing this year. I'm, I'm obviously an owner. Um, but if in dynasty, I, I still view him in the top 10 quarterbacks, still young. He's got all the talent in the world. And even when I watch it, it's, it doesn't look like he's taking a step back from a talent standpoint, um, or even really like too much of decision-making. He obviously throws some picks. He's gotten a lot of sacks. Some of that maybe isn't feeling the pressure or not, but he's also like not being protected as well as you'd like to see there. But last year, like he, the back half of the year, he was winning games that they had to throw. They were coming from behind. Like that was also why he dominated. Like he was throwing all the time. The run game was basically abandoned at that point. Yeah. That's changed this year. The offensive philosophy's changed. So He's taking a step back for sure for fantasy. I don't think there's any argument there, but I don't view it as like there's a problem with Trevor Lawrence. So to your point, like I'm not personally buying love, but if you own him, I wouldn't be worried about him in the long term. Again, Dynasty, it's it's a long game that you're playing there. But if you can acquire him for um, like a discount, I would 100% be doing it uh, because I do think the talent's still there. And Honestly, like you thought he got the number one receiver that levels up a lot of these quarterbacks. That was also why people were buying in as to him in the offseason. I don't think really is that number one receiver. I think they're going to move. I personally think they're moving on from him at the offseason and the offseason and try to find someone else, maybe targeted T. Higgins or someone else. But um, yeah, and really just has not been that guy. Another quarterback who is disappointing, though, Lamar Jackson. Uh, not, not because the offense is just like, well, the offense is moving. That's not disappointing. It's just the fantasy points are not showing up. I, I don't even view Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence as all that different from a fantasy perspective, yeah. right? Because if you have Lamar, you're probably feeling, and I, and I, I can just look at Schluter's team right now to see Lamar <laughs> yeah. the last couple of games, he's been disappointing, right? Like, I mean, he had he put up a 40 spot against Detroit, but before that, 9, 19, and then after that, 13, 10, 16. And I think those are all games, obviously, except for this past week when they got, uh, you know, sniped in the last minute by Cleveland, that that, uh, that Baltimore is winning. I can't a lot believe of people, they lost. They destroyed. Have, yeah. I was just saying, they destroyed the Browns yeah. and then lost. I don't, it didn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> their play, their team is great. And obviously, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of that is due to the ground game. He's running. He's not, he's not, not yeah. running. So, you know, like I, I just think that he's he's in a similar situation as Lawrence right now where the team doesn't need him to throw that much. They're still winning games, so he's not throwing that much. Yeah, or downfield. There's a lot of shorter throws right. too. And, and the rush, the running game has been getting a lot of touchdowns, like the running backs. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Just hang on, both of them. Yeah, not, gotta, I'm not concerned. Hang on, there'll be better days ahead. 
Yeah, and on a, a more positive note, a game that had tons of fantasy points, the Lions-Chargers game was like fantasy galore. Uh, obviously, the Lions ended up winning that thriller. Gibbs looked great. Uh, he got some goal line work. Monty didn't get everything, and, and I think there's differences in opinions potentially for some people out there. Monty did get some goal line looks. He got stopped in the goal line, but he also got a 75-yard. It's funny. Monty got the 75-yard touchdown run, and, and Gibbs got the goal line yeah. touchdown. Not what you would have expected. Uh, and uh, Amaron say Brown dominant. Amaron's like a top four wide receiver or like top five. He's elite. The guy's just uh, one eight for one fifty six in the touchdown. And then the other side, Herbert went nuts for three twenty three and four with one interception. Most of that going to Keenan Allen, who went eleven for one seventy five and two. Um, Eckler was solid. It wasn't elite, but very solid. Guidance is looking a little interesting. Uh, and QJ had an okay stat line. He had a touchdown. I'm personally still think he's not going to be the answer there but uh that was a fun game to watch i know if you got to see any of that because i think that was in the four o'clock slate yeah um i'm uh you know it's i'm i have varying opinions on the gibbs and monty situation because obviously like we're in a bunch of leagues and you know like some leagues i i uh took scooped up the value of monty later in drafts and in other leagues i actually drafted gibbs early and so, you know, like it's tough, but at this point, right, like for better, or for worse, the, the Monty injuries have kind of given Gibbs the opportunity yep. to earn a true kind of time, timeshare going forward. If, if Monty never gets hurt, then maybe we're still in a situation where it's like earlier in the season where it's like a 60, 40, 65, 35 situation where, you know, Gibbs is getting a little involved in the passing game, not getting too, but, but at this point, they, it's, it's going to be 50, 50 with them and they're both going to be startable assets going forward. I think I probably with a gun to my head, if I, if I had to water bet more fantasy points the rest of the way, I'd probably lean towards Monty because I, I think that he's more likely to get the goal line carries moving forward. And I think Gibbs will be a little more hit or miss depending on game script and passing volume and, and, and the like. So, yeah, I agree. I think, I, I think Monty will get more of the work still overall. Uh, like when he grinds it out, like I think they're going to give it to Monty. Gibbs, they're, they still know he's like the bigger play threat. But when they want the volume and like beat down the de- on the defense, they're going to go to Monty. I do think Monty gets more goal line work. This was his first game back. But the when Gibbs got the goal line work, it was after he got him down there. And I think that was a big thing that people kind of lose the context around. It's like Dan Campbell wanted to reward the rookie. You got us down there. We're going to give you the look there. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen at all. And it's good to see that he is given those opportunities if he makes a big play and gets him there. Because he, he ripped off a huge run to get to the to, uh, inside the five. But after that, later in the game, they didn't go to Gibbs again. They went to Monty. Monty didn't, wasn't able to punch it in, but that's, to me, the more telling of the game script in, in future games. Yep, yeah, I agree. Um, I got to just keep throwing out Sam Howell. Get, did it again. I think he's the QB4 in our league. Just Howell, love him. Um, yeah, and uh, but the Seahawks actually won that, uh, that game in OT. Uh, and honestly, most of the... Players had a decent game. Geno was pretty solid, 369 and two. Finally, kind of stepping up. DK was solid with seven for 98. Lockett showing up with eight for 92 and a touchdown. Walker, so his stat line and or fantasy point looks like a solid day because he kind of saved his day on a one catch for a 64 yard touchdown. But other than that, he was kind of inefficient. I think he only had like 60 something yards on the ground for like 3.3 uh, yards per rush. 
But for the third straight game, he played less snaps than Charbonnet. Um, Charbonnet was getting a little bit more work as well this time around. From a fantasy perspective, still, you don't, you don't want to start him yet. But I'm if I could cash out on like the top five mentality people had on Walker earlier, and I'm personally trying to do that. Again, I don't think Walker's going to be bad. But I do think he, just from the snap percentage, of course, he had, I think he had like 19 rushes or something like that still. But I'm still – I'm. I'm a little weird. I think he's still like a back-end RB1, maybe an RB2 going forward. But I don't know if, what your opinion on Walker is, Joe. I mean, quite frankly, so much of it is going to be similar to the Gibbs and Monty situation where if 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 Walker were to pull a hammy right now and miss two or three weeks and Charbonnet were to have the opportunity to, to demonstrate, which he assuredly would because he's also great, I think that would be – a tough blow to Walker owners, yeah. you know, conversely, if you're a Walker owner, you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, Charbonnet could pull a Sammy too. And then I have like a locked and loaded RB one who's getting, you know, 20 some carries. And quite honestly, I, I think some of Walker's uh, diminished production has been game script related. They got absolutely smacked last week. So it does not a huge surprise that when they were down early that he wasn't, and, and and against Baltimore in Baltimore, you know, like he also has a really tough playoff schedule, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I don't hate the thought of. So I don't have Ken Walker or Zach Charbonnet anywhere in any Same. league. I have no, no shares. Yep. And if I did have them, I think all that I would be thinking is I, I just have to hold on to this guy in case something happens to the other. Yeah, like, like each of them in isolation could be a league winner. I don't think at at present that with the two of them out there, that one will emerge strong enough. Like it's just it's not as as explosive as an offense as Detroit. They're not scoring as many points. It's, it's you know like the 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 opportunity for points is just not the same as that Monty Gibbs situation. Yeah, I think what uh, why I personally would be a little bit more concerned as the Walker owner with the injuries that if Charbonnet gets hurt, yeah, Walker's going to get all the work, work, and we've seen that, and he is very productive. But when Charbonnet comes back, they're going to try to get him back in and and get him more integrated in the offense. So, like, Walker, if Charbonnet gets hurt, it's only going to benefit Walker for that exact time period. But going forward, it's not like Walker's going to run away with the job. They're going to forget about Charbonnet and not give him another chance. But Charbonnet, if Walker gets hurt and Charbonnet shows out and they really like what he sees Charbonnet, then Walker's never getting that full-time. He, he's losing part of that job for good uh, until yeah. Charbonnet gets hurt. Like, that's the thing. Is like, there isn't – Walker It can't be like, oh, I got the, I ran away with the job now going on. Like, he can only lose the job. Uh, he could have weeks here where he's better, but it won't be a going-forward thing. So he will always have that risk of, like, if something happened to Walker, your value is immediately gone. Like, Charbonnet is involved. Um but finish out with uh, the Monday night game, just to talk about it, because uh, there are some key things of note in there. Uh, was the Bills and the Broncos? The the Broncos somehow won. Uh, Russ is still getting it done with a high efficiency uh, pass, like touchdown uh, department. Sudden getting all the touchdowns and, and a lot of miraculous catches. Like doesn't get a lot of yards, but makes like a crazy catch for a touchdown seemingly every week. And Javante Williams is looking like a potential top twelve running back right now. He's getting stronger again. All the work catching balls now he looks fast he looks strong so 
that offense is somehow coming together, and the opposite side, the Bills' offense is lost. They fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, replaced him with Joe Brady. Um, everyone was just dropping the ball, fumbling it. Uh, James Cook was the only really effective player. Kincaid looked pretty solid, I guess, too. But the Bills are kind of a mess right now, which is tough because there's so many fantasy options there. Yeah. You know, like it's just oh, – maybe I'll start with Denver because like a maybe a little bit less complex there. I completely agree on Javante. I think this is kind of what we were – what we were more expecting to see uh, earlier on in the season, there was some, uh, there was a lot of camp hype that he was, you know, looking great and yada yada. But it takes some time to come back from the from the these uh, bad ACL tears. And quite frankly, uh, he was getting the volume all along, and it just kind of seems like he's getting more of that burst back and just running better now. So he's got he still doesn't have a rushing touchdown, maybe on the whole season. I don't think. Uh, but he's got receiving touchdowns the last two weeks. Yep. So uh, it's good to see that he's involved in the passing game, even though they have, you know, passing backs like Julio McLaughlin and Samaj P. Ryan out there that are also getting passing down work. It's not like he's not getting any of the passing down stuff. Um, and and uh, Russell Wilson looks good. I mean, he 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 looks significantly better than he looked last year. Last year, I think was an aberration, right? Like the throw he made to Cortland Sutton with the, with like the defender in his face coming in and on the sack, like to just like drop that ball right into the corner in the spot where Sutton can get it and keep like, it was, it was a great play. And yeah. I, I've been pretty impressed with Russ the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I think he's, you know, I was worried earlier in the season uh, that he would be benched. I don't think he's going to be benched at this point. And no. the Den- and the Denver defense after getting embarrassed the early season. Yeah, they I mean like they've they've had like I, I don't know, something like eight to ten, eight, nine, ten out like they, they were putting up numbers graphics during that Monday night game. They're, the defense has been like pretty good the last couple weeks. So Yeah. And yeah. it's it's funny too, because Russ is like one of the things what's propping up his value and people are saying he's like he's he's getting a lot of touchdowns, not throwing for a lot of yards, but that's Kind of always been Russ's uh, thing. He, he he had a very he has a very high t- uh, touchdown percentage on his past attempts. Like he's always been like that. He didn't. He's not a volume thrower. So uh, obviously he's not prime uh, Russ Wilson that you had in, uh, on the Seahawks, but he's still a very very useful quarterback. So yeah, and and Buffalo. Look, I like Buffalo the rest of the way. I I, I think that this was. They there were a lot of mistakes in this game. There was some bad turnover luck, right? Like there uh there were at least two balls that were off off hands that should have been caught that resulted yep. in interceptions. There's a fumble in the beginning from James Cook. Um I, I you know, like I think that they have a little bit of upside the rest of the way. I think they're like two to one right now, plus one ninety I've seen is the best number, and I actually put a decent amount on that for them to make the playoffs. I think that the change in in offensive coordinator will kind of light a fire. I think that I don't think that their defensive problems are going to be resolved overnight because nope. they have a number of playmakers that are just out for the season. So they're going to continue to give up points. I just think the offense is going to be good enough and competent enough to win a couple of shootouts and also produce for fantasy. And I think there are a couple 
Fugazi teams ahead of them in the standings <laughs> in the AFC. So, and I even brought the AFC playoff standings up on a separate tabs so that I could kind of like substantiate this, right? So, if anybody's looking for Buffalo two to one to make the playoffs, right? Buffalo's five and five right now. Las Vegas is five and five. I I, I do not think Las Vegas is making the playoffs. Yeah, that, good good story for Antonio Pierce, then, former Giant, yeah, but significantly yeah, I don't think worse team than Buffalo. Directly above Buffalo, Indianapolis, five and five. I don't I don't think Indianapolis is making the playoffs. Cincinnati, five and four. Cincinnati, I I do think will make the playoffs. Yes. Houston, five and four. Houston maybe has a chance, but I think that Buffalo is better than Houston. And if I was just betting the two heads up at this current moment, I my money would be on Buffalo. Above above Houston, Cleveland, six and three, just lost their quarterback. Yep. And Pittsburgh, six and three. The biggest Fugazi in the history of the NFL. They will and always I, have a winning record. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't. I, I meant to to bring up their schedule too. They get the Browns. Obviously, they get the Browns this week. They're going to get another lucky win. Bengals, Cardinals, Pats, Colts, Bengals, Seahawks. They're making the playoffs. The, the Steelers I, are in the playoffs. I, you, know, you know they're going to get in. Like they're going to get enough wins. I, I, I would love to bet the no. And I actually looked at it, too, because what I went to do was to parlay Pittsburgh no with <laughs> Buffalo yes. And Pittsburgh no was like plus 100. So it's like they're 6-3 and three and they're still only like even odds to make the playoffs because it's just like a remarkable – it's a remarkable feat that they have such an incompetent offense and yet they're still 6-3. They're still and three. That, that might be the worst 6-3 and three team that I've ever seen. They stink. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll take that back. The defense is plays plays inspired. The defense literally is like wins them all of these games, well, and it, they have inc- and they have incredible coaching. Yeah, but Mike Tom's it, never had a losing yeah, record. It's ever. So, it's so hard to watch their offense play football, and and maybe maybe that's how people felt watching the Giants last year. It's sincerely possible. Yeah, but, but yeah, I don't like watching the Steelers, but yeah, they they win. The Giants are just bad and don't. Also, I. Everything you say, how much better is the AFC than the NFC? Yeah, it's so bad. Yeah, it's really it's remarkable. And yet, I think that the NFC is going to produce the Super Bowl winner. Oh, yeah. Because... I think that it's high-end play, uh, teams in the NFC are very good. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, top to bottom, it's a pretty pretty trash yep. conference. Yep. Uh, All right. Well, with that, though, going to move into our next and new segment. So, Joe, why don't you take it away? Yeah. So Dave teased this earlier. We have a new segment on this week's episode, uh, specifically tailored to our Dynasty League, the uh, NSFW Dynasty League. Hopefully lead to some fun dialogue in the league chat, maybe even spark a trade or two. Uh, Who knows? But the idea is that Dave and I both went into the NSFW trade machine and tried to come up with a handful of suggested trades that we think could make sense for various teams in the league. Uh, we did this at random. It wasn't like, oh, you know, we tried to come up with a trade for each individual team. You know, like sometimes it's it's actually not that easy to look at, at rosters and kind of say, like, what do you what do I think this person needs or wants? And let me try and find a trade partner who is looking to it's hard enough to, to do for their own team. Yeah, fill that need while also you know. So it's just, but the idea is to just kind of for us to you know propose these trades to each other. And give some logic as to why each side would do it or why we think each side would do it, why we think it makes sense. And then the other will say yes or no. And if the answer is no, then, you know, what, which side, you know, who's, who's, who's going to be the one to shoot it down. So we'll see, you know, and maybe we can, uh, maybe we'll uh, get some feedback from you guys in the chat. 
you know, you like these suggestions, you not like these suggestions, and uh, you know, who would Maybe. actually be the one? I would love to see actually if any of these actually happen. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. that's uh, not bad. And just, we'll just literally just just like I put these together like in an hour before the show. Yeah. So you know, if you're offended by yeah, how we're valuing your guys versus other guys, save it. It's we 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 did use uh, like some online trade analyzers to ballpark, and it's just a matter of. Just it's in the spirit of content, so exactly. Let's, and let's and honestly, it may not be the direction you're trying to take your team anyway. But I do, I do want to call out too because you mentioned the trade uh, calculator analyzer. Those are just like a guideline tool that we use. Um, but also for anyone who listens and is in Dynasty, you cannot take trade calculators as gospel uh, for values either because they're not static; they're constantly changing. Players are values are changing. If you did the same trade two weeks ago, the value is going to be vastly different. And that's what you're trying to get ahead of on that. Is you're trying to find the value in your trade. So maybe you are selling someone and it looks like you're overpaying or you're not getting the right side. Like That may be the point in that one point in time. You're trying to be better in the future. So like even if the trade doesn't say it's exactly fair or you're winning at that moment, it doesn't mean you're not going to be the winner at the end. And we kind of alluded to it earlier in the pod with the Joshua Dobbs uh, trade. I scoffed at it. I, I look. I took a huge L from a, a perspective there. Like that was a great trade uh, because, like, I can't predict the future, and he t- turned out to be better. So, like, that is the concept here. But moving on, I'll let Joe take it uh, take it back here. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in with uh, first suggested trade. So the parties in this trade are Team Adam Cohen and Team Harry and Dan. And my proposed offer is. Harry and Dan on the Watson news decide to sell, finally commit to the sell for the rest of this season. And they trade Geno Smith and a 2024 third round pick to team Adam for Ty J Spears. Now, why do I think that team Adam does this? Adam seven and seven and three in first place in his division, but he's also starting Kenny Pickett as his QB2, and you just heard my thoughts a second ago on Kenny Pickett <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They stick. They're extremely unreliable, and there's been a couple games. This He's put up scores this year randomly of 3.4, 2.9, and most recently this past week in a win against Green Bay, 6.6. So uh, this gives Adam an opportunity to upgrade at QB and make a bigger push for this year. He's got the depth at running back to shoulder, losing a young RB in Spears. He's got Keaton Mitchell, who's who's kind of burst onto the scene, Travis Etienne, Aaron Jones, and uh Adam and or sorry, and Harry and uh and Dan, who have who have a need at running back. Uh pick up a young running back in Tajay Spears, who's likely to be the starter next year for uh for Tennessee. And and honestly, in the limited opportunity he's gotten this year, has looked really good. So that's my first. So what do you think? Do do you think who do you think is the one that shoots this trade down? Um, I think. Uh, I saw. First of all, I like the trade. If I assume, thought anyone would shoot it down, I think it would be Dan and Harry, mainly because of trying to trade with them. Uh, but in general, uh, I I I like the trade because I think it makes you did a great job of identifying a lot of needs here, and that's. One thing I think when you're trying to structure a trade, even in your own team, like look at the other team and try to predict what you think they need. 
because uh, it'll make the conversation go a little bit better. And that's where, like, also if you're trying to find value, if you can fill a need, you may be getting better value on the player there. But here, you're, both teams are filling a need. Dan and Harry need a running back badly. It is, like, gross, their running back room. And it's tough because a lot of the running backs available in the trade market right now are older guys. And, and I do think they're more uh, they're better to start rebuilding uh, than try to go for it this year. And Tajay Spears looks like he could be a top 20 back as soon as next year. And, like, if something happened to Henry this year, immediately. He's a young guy. Running backs don't have long shelf lives anyway, but he's got at least three years in him uh, after this. So I think that's a good asset to go after. Um, and Geno Smith is – He's taken a step back this year. He's older. I don't think he's the long-term answer there. But for this year, I think he is useful. And he has a great playoff schedule in half back half the year. So if you're a contender, targeting Geno Smith, is, and I have him in the trade later as well, um, <laughs> is a great, great target if you're a contender right now. Um, and throwing in um, the third just to even it out makes sense. not expensive, but I do think Tajay Spears has a lot more long-term value than Gina. So I think this is a fair trade on both sides and fits actually a pretty, pretty good need for both teams. Yeah. The one thing, the counterpoint or the one kind of area that I didn't really address, but I kind of had it as a thought was like trading Gino, not getting a quarterback back for team. Harry Dan does leave them in a situation where now they've got Bryce young and Zach Wilson to and Deshaun under- Watson and Deshaun Watson. That's true. Yeah. I forgot about Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Watson. So there's, yeah, so there's no reason. To and and again, I don't think Gino Gino maybe has next year. I yeah. I, I think they're going to tr- like he I think he signed a 3-year contract technically. So next year will be year 2, but I don't think they're going to want to rely on what is Gino going to be at that point like 37, 38. So Yeah, he's pretty old already. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, why don't you give us your uh, your first uh, trade machine output? Yeah, so uh, my trade, this one is uh, between Scott and Canelo. So Scott has actually two 2024 seconds. So he'd be sending both of those 2024 seconds to Canelos. And he would be getting back uh, Derek Carr, who I know you hate, uh, Jameis Winston as well. So you're locking up the Saints QB room. And Traylon Burks as well. And the overall motivation for this, and we've obviously talked about Scott like trying to get more Quarterbacks, and he's made moves, and he made the Kirk Cousins trade, which looked great, and then just super unfortunate. Literally right after the trade, he goes down with an Achilles. But he, he had struck gold with Dobbs, and I still think he has a great roster. And, and even though his record right now is only 4-6, and six, he's not far out of the playoff hunt, actually. And he, he can put up points. He put up a uh, third most in the uh, league this past week. Um, so he's got a lot of playmakers. If he could just get a QB2, it doesn't have to be like a high-end one, just like a consistent QB2. And with the car, Winston, hopefully, honestly, you, you might hope it's Winston that you get to start there. But you're locking it up. So no matter what you have, you can start two quarterbacks every week between uh, the Saints quarterback and Dobbs. Um, but also, he doesn't have too many young wide receivers in his um, on his team. So from Canales, Canales has a ton of young wide receivers, but a lot of those are going to be hard to come by. I think Burks is one that Canales is probably willing to part with, if I had a guess. I think most Burks owners are probably of that mindset right now um, with the injuries and just can't get in the field. So you're taking a uh, an upside lotto shot. So, yeah, you're, you're getting the quarterback for now, but you're getting one upside shot that maybe doesn't pay off, but maybe it does in Burks. But what are your thoughts, yeah. Jeff? I, I like it. So the, my thing with Burks is when he's on the field, he's been good. The, the, the problem is he hasn't really been able to stay on the field. Yep. Also, not for nothing, but uh, 
Tennessee just doesn't really have the most dynamic passing attack. So part of it is the situation he's in. Part of it is the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, I'm not personally giving up on him. So, you know, in that situation, I think this is not, not, a, not a terrible move. I don't know. I'm looking at Scott's draft pick situation for next year. He does have two thirds as well. So it's not like he wouldn't be drafting at all. Um, you know, I might try to maybe retain one of those seconds and try to maybe send a second and a player for that, just just to retain a pick in the first two rounds. But if I'm if I'm trying to say who says no there, I don't know that. I, I, no, I think I think it, I think it could get done. I think yep. it could. If I was if I had to say who was going to say no, I think Scott would say no before Canellos would say no. I think Canellos would would be happy to move Carr, Winston, and Burks for the two seconds, given he's in a rebuild. And it's just a matter of how Scott how much Scott values those seconds and how in on Burks he is. But yeah. you're right. I mean the team the thing is his team can't compete this year. Yeah. So, you know, you definitely don't wanna uh you definitely don't want to just toss that away when you got a chance. Yeah, and, and that's what makes the uh, the because I looked at the player in a pick as well because yeah I was thinking about that and he he doesn't have too many young picks which is what you'd want in a, a players that you want in a rebuild yeah. Um, yeah. it's all like older but they're all like very strong current year players too so like if you're gonna go for it this year you can't really lose those pieces so that's kind of where I was like he's kind of have to just go with the picks there maybe that's true you're right and in doing a quick look there's not really anyone who like fits the mold of who. Canellos would be looking for, given that Canellos is in a an aggressive rebuild. So, so yeah, it's, it'd have to be the picks. Um, all right, so moving on, my next one I'm going to toss out there is a one for one, and this one is a, a little a little more simple, but uh, I think that it actually strikes too neat. So, in mine, Team Rosinski trades Jonathan Taylor to Team Schluter in exchange for Stefan Diggs. And essentially this one is pretty simple. It's uh team Rosinski has way more depth at the running back position than it's, it's unbelievable. I've never I think, seen yeah, it's, a, it's, like this. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, it's just super impressive. And not to mention that they have uh, Nick Chubb on the IR, who is going to be coming back next year. Right. Like obviously and they traded away Henry, I think too. Like, yeah. Yeah. So in this in this situation, right, they have the ability to trade Jonathan Taylor, who, again, is on the third year. And granted, he just got re-signed. What he, what he signed? A three-year deal with Indy. Yep. So he's got – that's exactly what he's got. Two or three more years left in the tank, right? But you're still – you still have Mostert, Gibbs, Pollard, Eckler, Chubb in, on the depth chart at the running back position. And uh, you grab Stefan Diggs, who, uh, if there's anything I think that uh, anybody in the league knows, it's that uh, Team Rosinski has been looking for a wide receiver. Yeah. For a couple, for a couple of weeks <laughs> they, they need a true one, yeah. that's for sure. So they finally get their wide receiver one. And uh, for Saluter, uh, I think that this enables him to continue to compete. He's got a little more depth at uh, – Wide receiver, so I think he can afford to move digs, uh, especially right. Like Sluter's on the verge of competing this year, like five and five, and 
got some guys that we talked about underperforming like Lamar Jackson from a fantasy perspective. Um, and the running back room is a little bit of a concern, right? Brian Robinson, Gus Edwards, James Conner. So uh, this is kind of an opportunity to get out from under Diggs, who who knows what the future is going to be beyond this year, right? Like if Buffalo doesn't make the playoffs and he's not on the team anymore, his brother's t- putting on Twitter that he, has, he should, you know, get out of Buffalo, uh, you know, grab a, grab a young running back and – uh, you know, obviously there's still plenty of uh, wide receiver depth on, on the team by way of AJ Brown and Zay Flowers and Rasheed Rice and others. So that's my uh, that's my next yeah. one. Who do you think who do you think says no there? Yeah. So, I mean, I I love this trade, A, because you don't often get a trade that's just this simple um, in it. But it makes sense. That I I think both teams hesitate on this one, though. Um, yeah. More so not because just human nature when you're deal with players of this value of this level, you stop thinking about what you're acquiring sometimes. You only focus on what you're losing. And I think that potentially can get in the way here. But in reality, I think this makes a ton of sense for both teams. And it's something that if I think both teams thought long enough about it, hopefully they would do something like this. Because to your point, the Rosinski's it's like they are they're literally starting a, a sitting a running back that would be potentially most teams RB one. Like they have so many running backs, so they can't even start them all. But they need that level up of a wide receiver one. And because they have a lot of like solid young wide receivers, but no, no one who like is a game changer. And that's what they need to really get to the next level. And yeah, to Schluter's point, like he's got more depth at running at wide receiver, but very little at running back. And the Rosinskis are uh, definitely set up to like, they, they go for it this year and they have it. And this would really start putting them over the top. This also, I still think, makes – and, like, Diggs, I think uh, – I think Diggs this year probably scores more points than Jonathan Taylor. But who knows with what's going to happen in Buffalo. Like, that's not a guarantee. Things kind of go off the rails. But I also think Jonathan Taylor probably is a, a little bit better long-term value. Um, and Schluter, like, it makes his team more competitive this year, and he still could be going for it. Like, I don't think he's a step – a huge step down. Jonathan, like in a redraft, you might still take Jonathan Taylor over over Diggs. They're both elite, but going forward, I think it's also like if you don't make it this year for Schluter, you're still okay going into next year. Where like Diggs maybe be may not be as valuable as Jonathan Taylor next year. So sure. I think this is actually a great trade for both uh, for both teams. And sometimes simple is the best. So that, that is great because I have some. Uh, little bit more complex trades later so i'm happy to see some simple trades in here yeah i mean if it's me and i have to like be like self-reflect i think between the two of them it's probably the schluter side that turns it down based on the fact that it's hard to trade someone like stefan diggs who up until this past week had double digits every single week so far just made a big trade for Diggs like a couple weeks ago so that's also a hard thing to, to do as well yeah um but not me, though. I'll flip people left and right. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Dave, moving on to your second uh, trade machine output. All right. So, this one is another way for the Rosinskis actually to level up. They are, uh, if you haven't picked up, they are one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to potentially take it all this year. But this one also gets them a, uh, a, a wide receiver one that they've been looking for, but also a, a couple other depth pieces that I think they potentially need. So the Brzezinski's would be trading. They have two first in 2025. So they'd be trading both 2025 first and DeMaro Douglas, who 
is a rookie uh, wide receiver who's looking pretty good. The Pats aren't a great offense, though. You don't really know what the quarterback situation is going to be there, but you do like what you're seeing there. So it's like an upside shot at a young wide receiver. Uh, Harrison and Dan would be the trade partner, and they'd be trading Keaton Allen, who's dominating this year, Geno Smith, who we talked about earlier, and Daniel Bellinger just for additional tight end depth. Uh, just because they don't have a lot of depth there. I think they only have uh, Ninjoku, and I forgot who they have, Ninjoku, and uh, Mike Mayer. Or they're only real tight end. So you kind of want a little bit more depth there. But they're also a quarterback. They're pretty good. They have Goff and Tua, which seems great. They get Aiden O'Connell, whatever. But I already mentioned, Geno Smith's playoff schedule is great. Uh, I'll run through who, who Geno has. Uh, so in weeks... 15, 16, 17. He's got Philly, whose secondary has been terrible. Tennessee, who you don't run on, you only throw on. And Pitts, who you can also throw on as well. So those are that's a great playoff schedule. The reason why I say this is, as I mentioned, they got Goff and they got Tua. And Tua's playoff schedule is like terrifying. They got the Jets, whose pass defense is elite. Then you got Dallas, who is just annihilating people. And then you got the Ravens, who are a very strong defense. And we haven't seen the Dolphins play well against any strong playoff teams, which the Dallas and the Ravens are. So I'd be it's it's hard to sit to a, but it's something where I was like, I may want to get another option for that playoff run if I'm not seeing what I like out of Tua there. So that gets you there. And Keenan Allen is the wide receiver one. He's like a top five wide receiver this year. That that gets them over the top there. So who do you think says no in this trade, Joe? Probably probably the Rosinskis not uh not being willing to part with the two 2025 firsts. Because I think if I'm Harrison and Dan, although it like although it kind of sucks to to acquire two first round picks and not be able to cash in on those two first round picks until 2025. Just kind of like banking those picks and and then like trying to like build forward with the team between now and then. Like if you make any sort of momentum whatsoever between now and beginning or middle or end of next season, now you're suddenly like now you've made progress with the team and you're picking twice in the first round of 2025, depending on what happens with Rosinski's team. Or I don't know who the set I don't know who's who's other first. Does he have it? I think it might be Schluters. It is the Wilkinsons. Wilkinsons. Okay. So those are both good teams. Those are most likely to be two late first Later round picks yep. in 2025. But still, right? Like, to go with their own. First so round then picks they have or first round picks. Right. Exactly. So I think uh, I think the Rosinski side is the likely side to say no, but that's not to say that it's not a, a, a an even move. And, you know, like Harry and Dan might say, no, nah, fuck that. I don't want to trade Keenan and not be able to cash in on on the profits until 2025. I want I want some more immediate, right? Because they still have to put a product on the field next year and they're still going to pay an entry fee into the league next year. So yep. it's possible. And that, that's why I was thinking the two pick. And this is, again, when um one of the things when I say trade calculator, it, this is not exactly fair, but this is also where if you're going forward a contender, Sometimes you pay up a little bit more to get what you need to win, uh, to win your matchups and win the league. So uh, yeah. this is kind of an example of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving along, my my third trade is involving Team Crope and uh, Team Clark. And I'm not just suggesting this trade because I have Crope's first round pick. So just want to put that there right now. Uh, so Team here. 
So in this move, uh, I have Crope trading Justin Fields, uh, Calvin Ridley, and a 2025 second round pick. So Fields, Ridley, and a 25 second to Clark Sauce uh, in exchange for Jordan Addison and Will Levis. Uh, so my logic here is it's this is really it really all depends on you know like how Crope or you know, insert any random fields owner fields feels about fields right now. Right. Because there's definite uncertainty there. Chicago is not a good team. They're going to have high picks. They're likely going to use one of those picks on a quarterback more than likely. Right. So like, what is the future like for, for fields earlier this season? He didn't look good at all. He definitely turned it around before the injury the past couple games. Do you, is this, is this kind of cashing in? on those those couple games that he looked pretty good even last year it was kind of a tale of two seasons first half of the season he was poor second half of the season he was phenomenal but it was mostly running so you know i don't you don't really know what the rest of the what the future kind of looks like crope has two starting quarterbacks on his roster in mayfield and love neither of them are losing their job this season um so you know the uncertainty around fields obviously there's some risk to trading him uh, but then in exchange, you're getting back a young, dominant rookie wide receiver in Addison. And not to mention uh, an additional quarterback in Will Levis, who's just won a starting job. And, you know, because he's not a rushing quarterback and it, it generally, generally, I guess, like pocket passers tend to last in the league longer. Uh but they're like, kind of like a little bit less valuable for fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a Russian quarterback is going to burn brighter, but for a short period of time. I'm not saying that Will Levis looks good enough to that that I think he's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL. I don't know. He's got good arm strength. Uh, he's making some pretty decent throws in his first couple starts. Um, so it's kind of like uh, swapping out fields for Levis and then significantly upgrading from Calvin Ridley, who's, like yeah. you said, Back end of his career, like mm-hmm. definitely hot up there in age. No idea what kind of offense he's going to be on. Obviously, he has lost a little bit of a step. Um, and replacing him with uh, someone like Jordan Addison, who's looked, you know, fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, this one, it's it's definitely uh, it's it's fair. And this it, it, you kind of already allude to. It. it comes down to like your personal preference and views and the quarterbacks. I think that that makes the trade because i agree i think addison's a huge step up over calvin ridley especially for dynasty i, I think even this year potentially addison is just better than uh ridley but going forward oh, 100%. there's no yeah. question about it there, yeah. there, i would significantly rather have addison the rest of this season than ridley he, yes uh, yeah he and like going forward like he's he he looks legit uh so then it comes down to like how you value the difference between fields and levis and to your point like i think long term like fields I don't know if he'll be with the Bears. Don't know if that means he doesn't have a job. But again, no, he'll have a job. He'll, I he'll agree have a, have a job. Yeah. So like I think he'll be playing. But again, like he hasn't shown that he can win. He more is a rushing. I know that before the injury, he was starting to get the passing down. So like it was starting to look good. But yeah, I mean it, it's a fair trade. If I had a guess, I would assume Croat would probably balk at this trade a bit um, more so because do you see? How much of a – what is really the difference, I guess, between Fields and Levis? Because Fields, I would assume, would score more points than Levis this year once Fields is healthy. Again, that doesn't translate into long-term success in the NFL level in retaining a job where Levis's job security seems a bit safer. Um, 
So then it comes down to like how how much do you want Addison, and and that's really the difference there. Um, but yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think I think the Crope side is again like it, it kind of comes down to what you think about Fields, but you know in the two games before Fields got hurt, he put up thirty five and forty three fantasy points. He looked yeah. great on he looked great on Thursday night against Washington, and uh, you know I think if you're Team Clark, this is a good opportunity to. You know, potentially try to go after uh, like a, a, a quarterback duo of Burrow and Fields. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, right, like you're trading Addison, but he's got Clark has uh, the Rapisati first round pick. Next they have a year. lot of capital. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that's a mid round, middle of the middle first, then and- you can just, you know, more likely you're going to be able to replace that wide receiver depth. So it allows them to keep competing this year and still have draft capital that isn't their own, which is always nice where you can try to win and you still can get a high draft pick. So that's always kind of nice having other people's first. Yep. Uh, all right, Dave. So take us home. You have uh, one more. Yeah. So uh, I, I build each trade. I, I got it more complex than the next. So this one's a, a doozy. So this one is uh, Mike Caffer, Mike Williams trading with Clark sauce as well. Um, so Mike Kaffer, Mike Williams will be trading Marvin Mims, Jacoby Myers, Chris Godwin, a 2024 first, and Joey's 2024 third, which should be an early 2024 uh, third round. Basically pick. a second. It's basically a second. It's, yeah, it'll be it'll be a top four pick in the in the third round, and then uh, Clark Sauce will be trading Kenneth Walker, Debo Samuel, Tyler Lockett, and Dalton Schultz. So overall reason for this trade is I think. The Caffer Williams team is a pretty strong team, but they, I think they could use uh, a bit more juice when it comes to their flex and, and wide receiver room a little bit more. So, and running backs aren't like too, uh, too exciting. They had Zach Moss early in the year is kind of falling off, so they need to fill that hole. So, getting Kenneth Walker, who I mentioned, I'm not super excited about, but I do think still at worst is going to be a higher end RB two. So, I think it's a is an upgrade for them. And he's young, so it's not like he's going to lose his job or won't be valuable at least for the next couple of years. Debo Samuel and Tyler Lockett are solid wide receivers with upside. Um, they're not, I love Tyler Lockett myself. I'm not the biggest Debo guy, but I do think he's a big upgrade for the current year over Marvin Mims and Kobe Myers. And honestly, even Godwin, who hasn't really been that great this year. And they get, they've, uh, they've lost a lot of tight ends to injury this year. They still have Dolman Kincaid, who's great, but he's got a week 13 bye. Um, and honestly, Right now, they don't have, I think, any other healthy tight end to start uh, that week. They had Waller. They had Knox. Uh, so they kind of need to get a tight end for that. And Schultz has looked really good and couldn't even be someone they flexed out. So uh, it gives them a lot more depth because this is always gonna, what's going to happen to playoffs. You're not going to want to just rely on just your starting lineup. You're going to need to mix and match a couple players depending on the matchup, especially we have three flexes in our lineup um, in our starting league. So you want that – diversity there so i think this gives them some additional upside but additional flexibility as well so i think personally it's probably the clark side that turns this one down because there's uncertainty in uh the 2024 first round pick right like it's it's obviously a like good a solid draft capital and you have there's a little bit of i think there's a little bit of uncertainty with marvin mittens right like has looked great 
and has definitely like looked like a, he'll develop into a solid wide receiver one or two in, in the, the Denver offense in the future, especially because Denver's wide receivers, Judy and Sutton are gone, have like a foot out the door already. Yeah. Right. So the, the sucks are definitely going up, pointing up on Mims, but again, there's still like a little bit of uncertainty there. Uh, Jacoby Myers, I just traded and partially why I traded Jacoby Myers is because uh, he had a couple years in the league prior to this season where his performance was not as strong as it's been early this year. So it's kind of like maybe try and capitalize on some of his early str- earlier this year, strong performance. And like you said, Godwin hasn't really been great this year. So you're kind of like, you're. if I'm Clark, I'm looking at it like I'm giving up Ken Walker and Debo, who are probably the two best players and surest things in the deal and i'm not really getting enough of like a sure thing back granted a first is is very solid i probably would want to swap out one of those three receivers for somebody who i think is like slightly more on the level of ken walker or debo and then that would be more attractive for me to make that move that's kind of how i would view i'm not and and honestly like looking at mike's team let me see if i could throw a name in there let's see who we got here um, great content here. So me just look. Yeah. So I mean, as you're looking through that, uh, the what I was honestly, oh, you got one? maybe DJ Moore. That could be that could be worth a shot. I uh, feel like if you do that, you take out both Myers and Godwin. Because I thought about DJ Moore, but I felt like that might be too pricey. You have to adjust a, a bit more of the. I would agree. Trip. I think that if I'm Clark Mims, Moore, the first and the and the and the third is more attractive to me than than Myers and Godwin. So that might be able to get it done. Yeah. I like uh, it. And th- th- this right here is live negotiations. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> for, other, for other people's teams. That's right. Um, one more. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Now, I don't want to do a formal one on this, but I just, as we were looking through the teams, I had the thought of like, what if Scott were to trade McCaffrey like what would that look like right so like let's just say for the sake of argument I mean we obviously know that like as we've kind of said a couple times like he Scott's team is in in uh contention for sure at four and six right now but let's just say he wants to like let's just cash in the value on McCaffrey right like McCaffrey's had maybe the best season of his career one of the best seasons of his career he's a little bit of an older guy not exactly young 27 I think 28 I think this is his fifth year in the league uh sixth year in the league so you know maybe the thought is like let, he's like it's probably like the, the the highest value i'll ever get for mccaffrey so i just just a little bonus one out there i want, I want to know who, who what you would which side you would take here scott trades mccaffrey and cooper cup to team mike williams in exchange for amon ross st brown and jerome ford so the thought being, obviously, it's like pretty brutal to give up Amon Ross St. Brown. It's also pretty brutal to give up McCaffrey. So if you yes. want a stud, a top 10 stud, you're going to probably have to give up a top 10 stud. So in this particular case, they're giving up Amon Ross St. Brown. But, you know, like there, there's there's a little bit of concern in, at the running back position for uh, for this team, right? Barkley, eh, eh, is he doing anything the rest of the season on that offense? Not much. Jerome Ford just lost his quarterback, but he'd be moving in this deal. He's young. He's probably going to get quite a bit of volume, to be totally honest. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, 
Uh, and obviously they have uh, Alvin Kamara. So I, I think that this might might be the deal. And I, if it's me personally, like, and I'm and I'm Scott, like, maybe I'd rather just cash in my chips on McCaffrey and Cup and move forward with the Sun God movement on in the future. So, which side do you think says no here? So I personally, I'd lean Scott actually potentially passing on it because I feel like if you opened up. CMC on the trade market, you could get more per like with cup, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. The combination of two, I think you could get more. Um, I but I love the idea, like CMC for Amra, because like Amra is very tough to give up, but CMC is like also very, very like even if you're not like even if you're teetering on like selling cash in there, like it's just so hard to give up CMC because like he's still like I don't view him on the same um trajectory or path that like other running backs go in. Like, I think he'll last a bit longer. Um, yeah, he's 27, but I still think he's got like another like two, three great years in him. So I would, if it was CMC for Amaran and then like maybe smaller pieces, it gets done. But I don't think Jerome Ford matches enough to get the cup piece in there. But I also yeah. understand from the Amaran, like that's where like you're giving up like a very young, someone who's going to be elite for years and like long career. It's, it's a, they're tough ones to play, but I think the I think it makes sense doing a trade like that from the Williams side. Maybe they throw in one other young or like or pick or something. Just like if you're going to rebuild, you want one other because like I'm going to get you there. But is Ford if you're rebuilding? I don't know if that's someone I really want because you don't Ford doesn't have like a locked. It's not a guarantee he's like a future back next year. So I think that's like the piece I would want something other than Ford to really make that get done. But in yeah, general, maybe, I think that's what happened. Like, you said, like originally, I was thinking about like a tight end, or but maybe it's a pick, right? Like maybe it's a tw- yeah. maybe it's an. Uh, I mean, realistically, right? If you're Scott and you're actually going to trade McCaffrey and Cup, that's yeah. probably you probably start out by offering McCaffrey and Cup for Amon Rana first. First, exactly. Yeah, I think and something like you, that can get and it then done. You kind of negotiate from there, right? Like, uh, but yeah, just this was fun exercise. I know yeah. you could uh, honestly like. This was came up with these in like like you said like an hour or two hours before the podcast. But you know, if we looked at the teams and you know, if I honed in on one individual team or two individual teams, could probably come up with a bunch of these. But, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, if you're if you have thoughts uh, on the trades that pertain to your team, and if you your team didn't have any trades pertaining <laughs> to you, like uh, uh, David, we tried not to include our own teams. Yeah. Wilkinsons have made a number of trades already, so they're uh, so uh, yeah. I mean, we can some teams uh, are tapped out of resources. So. Yeah, we can give it another shot down the road, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that was an awesome exercise, and honestly, we can we're going to quickly give you two real trades that actually just happened, just to run through both by uh, our man here, Joey. Um, some with some of the teams that we mentioned before. So, first one that actually went down, and it, it as I mentioned, trade deadlines coming on. I hope you are. Uh, league is having uh, cluster trades going on. We're certainly having them. Um, but the first one we had was Joey traded uh, traded away Russell Wilson, Jacoby Myers, and the 2024 third, which we alluded to in a lot of the trades earlier. And he got back Michael Pittman and the 2024 fourth. Um, overall, I uh, think it's a fair deal. I think it accomplished a lot. But, Joe, I know you were involved. So if you have any thoughts on this, on this trade or your point of view. Yeah, so – Honestly, the logic here is just Kyler's back. He looks pretty good, and you know, uh, injury notwithstanding, uh, hoping that he's uh, 
going to be quarterback for the team on into the future. Russ is on the older side. He's still producing at this point. I still think he's going to produce in the league for a couple more years. It's not like he's on the edge of retirement. But uh, given that I'm not going for it in the near term and I'm likely to have a high pick in next year's draft, uh, the thought was move Russ and Myers, who I mentioned earlier. He could continue to produce the way he is, and that's just the chance you got to take, right? Like he's yep. been really, really strong early this year. Uh, thought was let me try and get a, get an upgrade at wide receiver, and uh, you know, hopefully, I'll be able to backfill Russ's position in the uh, in the rookie draft next year. Yeah, and I, and I like the acquisition of Pittman, who's like I think like a top fifteen wide receiver in dynasty. So that was a great get. But you weren't done there. Uh, only um, less than yeah. an hour, I think, later. <laughs> you made another trade. Uh, you traded away Mike Evans and Romeo Dobbs to the Wilkinson brothers and got back Krupp's 2024 first. He's got a very strong team, but he's currently sitting at sixth place at five and five. So depending on uh, what happens from a luck perspective, this could uh, end up actually being a top six pick. Or it ends up, who knows, like he could go in a run and win it all, and it's a, the 12th overall pick. It's a risky take, but... Uh, you at least have a better chance than the Wilkinson brothers pick, I think was the mentality, but elaborate further. Yeah, that was definitely the logic. Uh, there were, there were a couple of other uh, trades that were discussed for Evans and different uh, receivers on my team in exchange for the Wilkinson's first uh, ultimately ended up trading Dobbs uh, in addition to Evans in order to get Cropes first. And again, Cropes got a strong team. I've actually been, uh, uh, a big fan of Krope's team in the power rankings from the very, very beginning. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen quarterback duo uh, is very formidable. And I think that that can make up for uh, a lot of other <laughs> lineup holes yeah. that uh, – that the Wilkinson Bros team has. And not to mention, like we said, they're actually making some moves now and filling those holes. So the more moves that they make, the more of those holes they fill, the stronger their team gets. Um, so obviously get, picking up Mike Evans uh, is great for them. So, um, you know, I think for me personally, I, I, uh, you know, again, in a rebuild and I just picked up a young wide receiver and Pittman obviously have two other young wide receivers and Chase and Metcalf. So this was an opportunity to cash in a little bit on Mike Evans. He's on the older side. Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs has looked okay, but they, their offense doesn't have a competent quarterback. And he's also got competition with, you know, four other mediocre guys for targets. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of – this is a, a quintessential selling out <laughs> trade that, and just that, – just, That's just, just – Go, go, that, go for the go for it. That's yeah. what you see this time of year, though. Uh, it, it, that's it's awesome. Um, I'm I'm loving. It. I can't wait to see what we see over the next. I think our trade deadline is the end of next week, week twelve. So can't wait to see what else we got coming up. Um, before we move on, I want to give a quick update on the high and low score. So high score this past week was actually Canellos with 172.88 points. Not enough to take the high away from uh, the Kaffer, Mike Kaffer, Mike Williams from week seven. And the low was actually Adam Cohen and Katz uh, at 90.68. We are running out of time for that low <laughs> score to be taken away. We have four weeks left. Um, and with that, I, mean, I, just, I, might be in, 
I might be in contention for it these days if I keep making trades. We'll see. It, I don't know, man. It is such a low score. Uh, it's like hard. You already didn't have like a quarterback one week, and you didn't. It's a low. <laughs> it's a low score, but I'm currently you got Kyler like, back now. Though I'm currently flexing. Rashad Bateman, Xavier Gibson, and Khalil Shakir. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need Chase. Oh, I have Miles. Sand. This is the week, honestly. If there's a week where anybody gets the low score, I'm putting it out there right now. Take a look at my squad this week with Pittman on by, with Bijan on by. Oof. This is this is going to be the week. I'm going to need Jamar Chase. I hope too. so because I get you this week. Yeah, I'm very excited. That's what I'm saying. I see. Very icy. I am uh, hoping so because I am now miraculously. I am. I know people have been looking at the power rankings, and I've been low. I am number two overall in the standings, top of my division. <laughs> all the haters, fuck them, fuck all the haters, man. I, <laughs> I am dominating. I'm taking it back, even with Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> even with <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, I didn't have Achan. I didn't have Monty forever. They're back. My team's getting stronger. Um, it's great. I can't wait to see next week uh, on the pod. We're going to start giving a little preview where we think divisions are going to end, but I'm taking my division I'm doing it. Um, but before yeah, we close, I mean, it's amazing how it works. It really has been pretty much all on the back of lamb Hawkinson and, uh, Sam Howell. Just how I drew it up, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we close it out, any closing thoughts, uh, for the upcoming week at all, Joe? No, just if anybody wants action on me uh, breaking the low score this week, <laughs> I'll give I'll give you one to one odds on me uh, setting the low score because I I think this is the week that it happens. Uh, well, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, also, want to say we are now Panthers fans uh, here on this pod as we want them to win some games to help the Giants traffic out, but they're playing the Cowboys this week, so probably not going to happen. Um, I also want to say we finally got a good Thursday night game and Monday night game. We got our Ravens Bengals tomorrow night and Monday night is Chiefs and Eagles, which should be a really fun game. Yeah. Super Bowl Reman. I know. That'll finally some high scoring games. Hopefully they don't disappoint because Monday night is stunk. But with that, I want to thank everyone again for listening to the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. And good luck with your matchups and on the trade deadline. Enjoy. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the NSFW Dynasty Podcast. Tune in next time 